As we've mentioned already today, but it seems entirely in order to do so yet again, we're certainly thankful and appreciative of the presence of each and every one. We're hopeful that each is in the midst of a good holiday season. And we today are honored by the opportunity that's ours to assemble in the name of the God of heaven, to offer worship and to render it toward His direction. As you give thought to some of the things that we often participate in at the Pippin Church, you might notice that the title of the lesson today likely reminds us that the lesson will in fact be directed somewhat toward that end. Reflection on the one hand and prospection on the other. It is the case that I would hope during the course of the lesson this morning that you might journey with me at least somewhat back in time as we reflect on some of the accomplishments of the Pippin Church during this past year, the year 2011, but also to look somewhat forward in our thinking toward the year 2012. As we do that, one of the things that we can appreciate we can highlight by way of some introductory thoughts such as these. We have been blessed with a whole host of events, activities, wonderful things that have come our way in this year. As you can look at that list, some of those successes surround education and graduation. There have been physical births in many of our families. There have been those who have placed membership with us here at Pippin. There are many things we could complimentary say that God indeed has been exceedingly good to us. By the same token, you can also note there have been losses. There have been those who have chosen to, in fact, attend elsewhere. There have been those families who have suffered the death of a loved one. All of those things, of course, rest heavily on our mind during the year 2011, and certainly they shall continue to rest on us in the year 2012 too. The bottom set of thoughts on that slide simply is this. I would hope that it might be an, an encouraging exercise to reflect on some of the good things of the year 2011. That is to say, remind ourselves that 52 weeks have now basically passed and also to look forward to these year, this year that is now directly before us. As we do that, I compiled a listing a listing that certainly is by no means exhaustive, but one that I hope will summarize some of the main features and thoughts of our work in this past year. And in fact, here we go. It may be a somewhat rough ride for a few moments as we at least list in a somewhat quick fashion many of the features and many of the aspects of our work at the Pippin Church, but I thought it would be wise to at least reflect upon what some of them were. You and I have met for about 210 times in terms of recognized assemblies of the Pippin Church. Those have constituted primarily Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. Also, we shouldn't forget the Sunday night times that we have met. And during the times of gospel meeting, there were some other days of the week included in that as well. But that were 210 times in which we had the luxury and the great privilege at that of honoring the great God of heaven even beyond those times of meeting, you'll notice that together we have sung about 600 songs. 600 times we lifted our voices together in a communal fashion. We honored the great God of heaven, and we did so by using the words of our singing. Beyond that, you'll notice that we have uttered, as you can see, a number of prayers. In terms of singing, that was more along the line of 900 instead of 600. My apology for that. It was about 600 times we have prayed together. 
That text of 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 simply again says in one of the shortest verses of the New Testament, pray without ceasing. We have sought to do that recognizing our need to rely upon God and recognizing how beneficial it is to us to utter our concerns and our thoughts to Him. These numbers that I'm listing in terms of our communal time together are no doubt swamped by the individual personal prayers that we each have entered into to God as well. As you give thought beyond that, consider the contribution that this church has made to the cause of the Lord. In fact, well over $120,000 has been contributed to the cause of, our, of the Lord due to our free giving on the Lord's Day here at Pippin. That's $120,000 directed toward evangelism, directed toward benevolence, directed toward edification, directed toward the works of this congregation. That's no small amount of money. And thanks be unto God that He has allowed us in freeness and in generosity to contribute it, and also that the work might, or that money might be used for the work of this church here. You'll see next on the list is a note of how God has blessed us in regard to that. That contribution is roughly a 9% increase over last year. I thought that was significant in terms of our present economy when there are many who, of course, are struggling in terms of the ways of life and yet God has still blessed this congregation with a heart in which they saw the need to give freely to give cheerfully, to give in a way that they understand that that money is being used for the great cause of the Master Himself. You'll notice beyond that, the increases from years past have been even more dramatic. A roughly 26% increase of the contribution from just a few years ago. I do not say those things in terms of a complimentary fashion to us, but rather a compliment to the character of a heart of each of us directed to a desire to contribute to the cause of God. Beyond the contribution, you have heard 106 sermons preached from this pulpit. 106 times the Word of the Lord was proclaimed in directness, in power, and with the attempt to help each of us come closer to the cause of God. It hasn't been the desire of any person who climbed into this pulpit to toot his own horn but rather to simply help each of us come to a better knowledge of the Word of God and to strive to live in accordance to it. That 106 sermons totals about 60 hours of Bible instruction. 60 hours of Bible instruction. That on one hand may not sound like a lot. I would ask you to think of it this way. A student at a typical university or college over the course of one semester receives 38 hours of instruction. You'll notice you have a, you've almost doubled that just in the concourse of the sermons here at the Pippin Building. In other words, when you and I, for the course of that year, if we were present for all 106 of those lessons, we almost enjoyed double the amount of Bible instruction as a student would have received at Tennessee Tech in one class for one semester. That should help us appreciate that we have the opportunity to be learned and to be knowledgeable about the Word of God because of the hours devoted in those times of diligent study and listening to that Word of God presented. You'll notice that as we come near that bottom of that slide, one can make mention of our Bible study classes as well. In fact, some 92 Bible study classes have taken place 
during those times of, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. And the number of hours involved in that is almost 57. Interesting, isn't it? if you put all those together, that number 57 plus the number above 60, that's 117 hours of Bible instruction that you and I have been fortunate enough to receive at the Pippin Building. I'd submit that if you number it that way, that's over a 200% increase above what they would have received at Tennessee Tech in one class for one semester. As you look at it perhaps from another perspective, you and I have been blessed with 25 restorations during this calendar year to this point. 25 individuals recognize the need to rededicate their life to the cause of Jesus. They've come forward requesting prayers and they have invited us to pray on their behalf for their forgiveness. That's no small thing to look too lightly. Furthermore, three baptisms took place at this location this year. Three precious souls turned their life over to the cause of Jesus and were immersed for the remission of their sins. Isn't that a lovely and wonderful thing? Isn't that cause for celebration? Isn't that a cause for a fantastic consideration of God's goodness to us? Put together, that's 28 precious souls who made a characteristic decision that will impact all of eternity for them. If you move past that with me, consider some of these additional matters that are a part of the work of the Pippin Church. In particular, we have sponsored not one but two radio programs. That first one has, in fact, taken place throughout the entirety of the year. And during that program called The Lord's Word, you and I have sponsored some 13 hours of Bible instruction. 13 hours for literally thousands of individuals who have tuned in on the Tuesday morning times and listened to that roughly 15-minute message from the Word of God. Back in October, we were invited to begin participating in yet another radio program. It's called A Challenge to Think, and now we've sponsored that some three times. Roughly an hour and a half of Bible instruction has already been presented on that program. You and I may not know until the Day of Judgment the good that has come out of those programs as individuals have listened and have begun to question what they have previously been taught, perhaps the denominational doctrines that they have heard, and they have begun to think clearly, powerfully, and obediently about the Word of God. Beyond those radio programs, we have sponsored here at the Pippin Church evangelistic works in a number of places around the world. I've listed the principal ones for you. Ron Gilbert shared with us this past Wednesday evening about some of his work in Africa. We also know that we sponsor Curry Montague and his work in the nation of Hungary there in, in Eastern Europe. Beyond those two, we sponsor Robert Oliver in North Carolina as he labors in an area where the church is almost non-existent. Beyond those three, we also sponsor Hewland Hensley in his efforts there in some of the remote parts of the state of Georgia. Again, the church there is almost non-existent. There's but one congregation in that whole county. We attempt to keep that church in some measure of strength by assisting these men as they proclaim the truth in these parts of, the, of even the United States. James Jones, in his work with Restoration Radio International, we have been a part of sponsoring that work. 
And as he last shared with us, the broadcasts of that restoration radio are broadcast in dozens of countries around the world. Interesting how that Word of God can promote and prompt the consideration in so many places. Perhaps one final one. We've also sponsored Jack Honeycutt in the work in India. And as you know, in a nation of well over 1.1 billion people, what an opportunity there is to reach precious souls with the gospel. Those are a few of the works that you and I here have participated in as we sponsor it monetarily and sponsor them with our prayers. You might notice one final thing on that slide. There have been many instances of benevolence, a large number of them unknown to us, but our elders are ever so generous in terms of giving careful thought to those requests made by individuals from our community and otherwise. And when they feel that those needs are appropriate and when it is a proper thing to, su to support them, they will in fact help them by way of money, in terms of food, in terms of other necessities in life. The work of God as it is done in all those things perhaps can be extended in some of these ways as well. Our congregation has grown in terms of attendance this year. In fact, as you look at some of the numbers as I've tallied them, our attendance this year on an average basis at the Sunday morning worship is 92.6. That's a significant increase from the year 2010. And in fact, as you go back to the years past, it is a rather notable increase since the year 2007. At that time, the average attendance was only 77.3, and yet God has granted us a great favor. This year, over 92 individuals on average present at the Sunday morning worship services. As we make again all that statement, we do so simply with the desire of helping us see the hand of God working amongst our number and in our community. As you give thought to that one, you'll notice that that is an almost 10% increase in our attendance from last year. As you give thought to all those things with me, we hosted a gospel meeting in May. Brother Edward Anderson was with us. Our attendance was exceedingly fine. So many positive responses about the nature of the messages and the energy that was felt in our church. We, of course, look forward to a gospel meeting coming up in 2012, if it be the blessing of God. You might already want to begin thinking about that. It should be in May. And as we give thought to the nature of what's involved in it, Brother Carl Sims will be our speaker. He'll be the preacher for that gospel meeting coming up in May. We participated in the Bible Bowl in September. As we have for a number of years, our youngsters had the opportunity, as well as all of us, to study the book of Revelation. We found that an interesting study and very encouraging in many ways. You'll notice that we met on a number of times for gatherings, once in the spring and once in the fall. Those times of togetherness and those times of fellowship were enriching, they were encouraging, and they helped us appreciate the family of God at this location. Beside those gatherings and beside that Bible Bowl effort, and as I mentioned it earlier, there were those individuals and families that chose to place their membership with us. They, upon careful deliberation and careful scrutiny of our church, they decided this was the place they wanted to worship. This was the place they wanted to, in fact, invest their talents for the service of Christ. We're thankful that they came our way, and we're hopeful that we each could be mutually edified and benefited 
by our times and service together. You'll also notice that we did suffer more than one loss this year as a faithful member or two passed away. Obviously, our heart was greatly broken. It was a time of great moving emotion. However, when those faithful members of the church pass away, be it this past year or other times, we can always take comfort and take heart in passages such as this one. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Revelation 14, 13. As you come near the bottom of that slide, might I be quick to say, this has been a rather brief, attempted summary of the year 2011. Many other things might have been listed. Some individual works that you or I may have been involved in might well have been listed too. But I chose to list them because they were more em emphasis upon the communal efforts of you and me together. It is with that in mind, I suppose the question might then be this. That is now a part of history. You and I must never rest upon its accomplishment. You and I must not simply say, God, that was enough, surely. We have had a good year and you have been good to us. May we not think of it that way, but rather to think what may lie ahead for us. What about the year 2012? If it be the will of God, in just a few more days, the year 2012 will be before us. In fact, one week from today will be the first day of that year, January the 1st, 2012. What might be said about that year that's now coming up? I thought we would divide the lesson into two parts, and might we use the latter part of it? to give some thought to this year that now stands before us. Isn't it amazing to consider the uncertainty that may fill the mind of many as it relates to the year 2012? The stock market has been shaky now for many, many months, and some are already expecting the new year will not be much different. The housing market is in shambles. Many other things are not all that favorable. And for that reason, many look upon the new year with a great deal of uncertainty and a great deal of worry and concern. May I submit to you, I don't believe that that is a wise course of action in terms of the work of the Lord. You and I, I think, should look at it more like this. Here are some thoughts I would wish us to consider as we think about the new year. I would suspect the marching orders might well be summarized in the closing verse of 2 Peter 3 but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. When Peter penned that epistle, it too was written in not the most favorable of economic times. It was not written in the best of circumstances. That book was written in the middle part of the 6th century A.D., or rather the 6th decade of that 1st century A.D., and as we might remember, the Roman Empire was struggling at that time. Christians were having a difficult time because the persecution had ramped up in intensity. Problems surrounded all things that were to be noted. And yet in the midst of that book, Peter still said, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in fact, in chapter 1 of that same epistle, he even listed the ingredients that went along with spiritual growth. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, 
and to God on His brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. That's the reading through verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Did you notice in that a guarantee? If you do these things, he said, ye shall never fall. As you and I then begin to look interestingly toward the new year and we ask, what about this means of growth? How do we go about growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Savior? It all begins with a devotion to the Word. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. It is then the case that if we expect and anticipate and desire our faith to grow, that we will involve ourselves not only in a learning of, but an application of the wonderful Word of God. That means, of course, that we continue to be present at the worship services, at the Bible study hours, and you might notice that our attendance at Bible study has also grown this past year. I didn't include it on that slide before, but that again is a complimentary notion to us as a church. But can we do even better? Could it be that we could even be more in attendance at the Wednesday night hour, understanding what a great benefit and blessing that time is too? Surely there is improvement that yet can be made by each of us. As you give thought to the statement of 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 6, Paul on that occasion had a very telling comment when he said, I have watered, or rather I have in fact planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. When it came to the work in Corinth and to the difficulties that had been at least partially descriptive of it, Paul said he had planted the Word of God which is, in fact, is the seed of the kingdom, Luke 8, verse 11. Paul had planted it. Apollos, in his efforts in that city, had watered it, but it was God that gave the increase. With a case here at Pippin, we noted that our attendance has increased. May we give all the glory of that to God. God gave the increase. It wasn't our elders in particular. It hasn't been me, certainly. It's God who had, by the working of all of our dedication and devotion to Him, that allowed that to take place. You and I can look forward to next year to even better meeting the needs of this community, assisting maybe, and if it be the blessing of God, our attendance will grow some more. If it does, we look forward to it being an instance and an opportunity in which we can do more work for the cause of God. I would invite you to notice too, that to that church in Thessalonica, this compliment was paid in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. Paul in fact stated to them, Your faith groweth exceedingly. Is that your charge in mind for the coming year? Do you wish and hope that your faith will grow exceedingly? And do I hope the same for me? May we be quick to say that if that is to happen, it will not happen accidentally. It will happen because we have made a determination toward that goal. May we thus at this point make a determination 
You and I should want our faith to grow in the coming year. We should want to be a better and more mature Christian. We should want to be more devoted to the cause of Christ. If that doesn't happen, then it, it almost surely was due to the fact we were not de dedicated enough to that goal. It is with that in mind, I would ask you to notice this text in Revelation 3, beginning in verse 1. The congregation mentioned on that occasion was the church at Sardis. That church, in fact, had a few names in it that were still faithful. But the Lord had this statement to say, There's a name that you live, but you are dead. There was a name, perhaps, on the outside of their structure. There was a name that they could use to advertise, but in terms of living the Christian life, they were dead. May that not be said of the Pippin Church. May that not be descriptive of us. We want to be a church that's alive both in name and in reality, both in name and in the basic substance of who and what we are. The year 2012 hangs before us with a whole host of potential and possibility. Will we take advantage of it or will we not? That decision is left up to you and me. Our elders will attempt to lead us in the proper and right way. Will we follow? Will we be lazy? Will we be slothful? Will we be less than dedicated? If so, that's our problem. And we need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That statement that Peter made on that occasion prompts us to look at the bottom of that slide as well. Not only the top, but you'll notice we should continue to have an uncompromising demand for the truth. Anything less than that emanating from this pulpit, emanating in our radio programs, emanating in our Bible studies is simply unacceptable. The truth is the only thing that can save the sin-sick souls of men. And we must proclaim it, live it, set it forth, and never do anything to the contrary. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, speaking about the churches to which Timothy was working, should these also not apply to us at Pippin? Paul wrote, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The Pippin church should be the pillar and ground of the truth in this community of Putnam County. If folks in this community want to know the truth, this is where they're going to find it. They're not going to find it at a denomination. They're not going to find it in the various homes, at least generally, of people. They're going to find it at the church of Christ, the church that the Lord purchased and bought, the church that He identified and set forth in absolute purity in Acts chapter 2. That's where they'll find the truth. May you and I be a beacon as we not only uphold it in our services, but live it day by day. We shall be a part in transforming the lives of many when they see your life and mine, a seven-day-a-week beacon for the truth of God. We should be satisfied with nothing less. Not only the character of that, you'll notice, we should expect to move forward. It has often been noted that a church that is stagnant or a church that moves backward is not as it ought to be. We need to be moving forward in our growth and faith. That may or may not be accompanied by numbers. May we be quick to say, God will take care of the numbers. If you and I simply do His will, 
growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the God of heaven will give the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He will take care of the numbers. As you and I give dedication then to that issue, that takes us back to the lesson text that Jonathan read for us earlier. In Philippians 3, beginning in verse 13, Paul had some very telling comments to the individuals of that day. May we keep in mind, the church at Philippi had been a very powerful supporter of the work of Paul. As a missionary, they had helped him monetarily. They had helped him by way of their prayers. They had been a constant source of encouragement. It was to that church that Paul had this to say, beginning in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do... Looking forward to that which is before and forgetting that which is behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. A rather remarkable statement, don't you think? Paul knew that that which was in the past, that which had been in the recesses of his life, those things were now behind him. He could not change them. He could not retract them. All he could do was look forward and try, of course, to live in close harmony to the truth of God. May you and I do the same at the Pippin Church this coming year. May we strive for the love of God to be abounding among us. May we strive for the peace and harmony of God to be evident in our midst. May we strive for the truth of God to be a clarion call to all who come to our assemblies and worship services. And certainly in our individual lives, may the truth of God be evident and seen ever so clearly. All of that challenges us that there is yet much to do in the year 2012, isn't there? Those successes that I noted earlier and those positive things about 2011, they only whet our appetite for what God can do amongst us in this coming year. You and I can rest assured that God's promises are ever so sweet. And they should be so comforting to each of us. I've listed a number of them for you in Romans 8 verse 28. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Are you and I convinced of that? We should be. And because of that, we should be able to look at this new year much more brightly than the typical person in the world, understanding that we have a bedrock foundation in life that is the Son of God, that is the one who died for you and for me. In Psalm 37, a number of verses might be listed. I chose to list verse number 5 of that chapter that reminds us about the need to commit ourselves unto God. What a powerful commitment. I mentioned earlier that some 25 restorations took place here this year and three baptisms. We don't know what those numbers will be for the coming year, but this we know. If the Word of God is presented in truth, it will touch the hearts of individuals. Honest seekers of the truth will be touched by God's Word because God promised in Isaiah 55, 11, His Word, He said, will not return to Him void. Thus, if you and I live it, speak of it, teach it, encourage it, and set it forth by way of example in the lives of others, God will be glorified, His name will be lifted high, and others will want to know what is this so special that's happening at the Pippin Church of Christ. Because of all of that, we can close this lesson this morning and do so with those final words. 
May the love for God and His truth be principal on our list. May it be the chief matter. Didn't Jesus say in Mark 12 verse 30, The greatest commandment is this one. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And when that love for the Master is preeminent in our heart, then following His Word will come naturally, and we shall be a good influence for so many about us. In conclusion to this lesson today, I suspect we each can feel a bit of excitement about the year 2011 as we contemplate by way of review some of what we've seen today. But may I submit we too can feel a bit of excitement as the year 2012 comes before us, as we think about the work that God will allow us to do and that we can in fact be a fellow laborer with Him. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. Today, what about your life, dear friend? Are you a faithful Christian? If not, then you haven't been able to participate in these things in the way that you should have. You need to enroll yourself in the kingdom of God by allowing Christ to add you to the church. You need to thus obey the gospel and let your life be a shining example of what truth can do. Set the sins in life behind you and look forward. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14 If this very morning we could be of assistance to you in your obedience to the gospel publicly, we would be honored to add some numbers to that 25 or that number 3. There might be one here who needs to be baptized. Maybe you have never yet rendered initial obedience to the cause of Jesus. Why not today? Why not the last Sunday, the 52nd Sunday of the year 2011? We'd be honored to assist you, to celebrate at your baptism, and to assist you as you are added to the role of the church. Maybe you have become a member of the body of Christ at some point in the past, but you know that your life isn't what it ought to be. You've allowed Jesus to take second best in your life. You've allowed other things to take preeminence and priority. You've allowed other pursuits to occupy your principal features in life. Why not come back to Him today? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew 6 verse 33. We'd pray with you and for you, and we would be honored to assist you in either of those ways this morning. If we could help you, if we could be of that group of people who could rejoice over your obedience, why not letting us know that today and assist in the ways that we can while together we stand and while we sing?